I'm just excited about this word. This is going to be a fun, fun word. How many enjoyed Paul Hubbard last Wednesday? Wasn't that powerful? Woo, the man was on fire. You should have seen Thursday. You thought Wednesday was good? He was off the hook on Thursday. You all missed it. You should have come out. I told you you should have come out. But you can pick it up on the Internet. It's free. You can just download any of the meetings. Um, but, yeah, he had a powerful word. And in February, we made arrangement to do a four or five night service. We're going to do a Sunday morning, Sunday night, Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday night here, Thursday night in Lorraine with him. So we're just going to have like a, just like a supernatural thing. And then in September, I don't know if I told you, we're going to have a supernatural September. Wednesday nights on, on, in September are going to be just dedicated to powerful things. The first night, Leon Timbo is back from Atlanta. We're going to do a harp and bowl session. If you've never been to one of those, it's just praise and prayer and pressing in and release of prophetic. It's going to be a powerful night. That'll be the first Wednesday night. Then there'll be a deliverance night. There'll be a healing night. And then there'll be a prophetic blessing night in the month of September on Wednesday night. So I can only wait till September gets here. And, uh, you know, but so good things are happening and just be a part, get plugged in. Let's go to Deuteronomy chapter 28 and verse 1. I want to talk about your benefits package tonight. Every one of us that serve God in a covenant, it comes with benefits. And so I just want to talk about one of those tonight. I thought I was going to get into maybe two or three of them, but when I started studying, it was like, okay, one's enough because there's just too much. But Deuteronomy 28 and verse 1, now it shall come to pass if you diligently obey the voice of the Lord your God to observe carefully at his commandments, which I command you today, that the Lord your God will set you high above all the nations of the earth. Now, you know Deuteronomy 28. You know that, that, that verse. But just look at that verse with me for a minute and break it down. If you can keep it up there for a minute, guys, and let them look at it. Because it's telling us that if we will hear the voice and observe the commandments. And, and you know, when you begin to think about observing the commandments and hearing the voice, it almost seems like the same thing, but it's not. And I'm going to illustrate that for you in just a minute. But observing the commandments is like receiving orders. Like if you were in the military and you were ordered to take a particular position, that's observing the commandments. You are now in position. But hearing the voice is when you are moved into forward progress from that position. So there's a big difference. And so God's speaking through the, whole, through the Holy Spirit. He's saying, I want you to get positioned for victory, but then I want you to be able to hear my voice to tell you when to move into victory because there's a whole, uh, a whole big difference. See, if you're hearing the voice, it's time to move forward, but you're not in position, it's still too late. So you want to be in position. You want your troops in position, and then when they're saying, okay, go, okay, attack, okay, move forward, the voice of your commander, you're responding, and as a result, you're having a conquest of victory. But I want you to look at this word, diligently obey. In the King James, it's hearken. It's hearken. And so when you look at that word in the Hebrew, it literally means this, to be summoned, to be summoned, or hearing with understanding and obedience. So he's saying that if it will come to pass, if you uh, are summoned, or if you hear with understanding and obedience the voice of the Lord your God. So the Lord is calling us or summoning us from a place to another place. And so it's not just hearing the word on Sunday or hearing a word on Wednesday. It's hearing the summoning of the Lord, the calling of the Lord to come to a particular place. He has a destiny for you and me. So we get a better understanding of what that word means. And the word diligently means marked by persevering, painstaking effort or being sedulous, steady attention. In other words, I'm going to set you on high if you do this. And anybody in a military campaign that's set on high has the advantage. Look at somebody and say, God wants you to have the advantage. And I'm serious about that. You and I need to receive that from the Lord. God wants me to have the advantage. He wants me to be set on high. He wants to put me in a position where I, before a shot is fired, if you will, am already advantaged because of where he's put me. It's a big difference when you're coming into a battle with an enemy. And so Deuteronomy 28 and 1 begins to introduce us to the benefits of our covenant with him. See, God only leads a man or a woman into the profitable paths of life. 
This is important to get in your spirit because a lot of times when we have failure or mistakes or we lose money or we get a bad business deal or some kind of relationship fails, we think that we're on the pathway to destruction, that God may have had something to do with that. But that's not the case at all. God always leads us on a profitable pathway. So that means I must be on the wrong pathway if it's not profitable. That must mean that the enemy has tried to detour me to get me to take another route. In other words, there's a way that I should go, but there's a way that I shouldn't go. And if you're on the shouldn't instead of the should, then it's two different directions. So I've got to constantly be keen in my hearing to say, God, am I on the should or am I on the shouldn't? Because now I know that it's your plan that I am to be led into pathways that are profitable for me. That's what the word of the Lord has spoken. See, Isaiah 48, look at it, verse 17, Amplified Bible. Thus says the Lord, your Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel. I am the Lord, your God, who teaches you to profit who leads you in the way that you should go. God says, I'm going to lead you in a way that you should go. That means there's a way you shouldn't go. How many have ever been in a way that you shouldn't go? Raise your hand. Ah, yeah, we're all indicted. And the shouldn't way isn't as good as the should way. But sometimes you don't even know you're on the shouldn't way until things start falling apart. And it's the enemy's plan to get us on the shouldn't way. Because he knows as long as we're there, we can't profit. We can't fulfill our destiny. He wants us to show us the way we ought to go and bring us into the place that he has purposed for us. Every one of us has a place. And it's sad that many people in this generation are in the wrong place. They're in a place of poverty. They're in a place of confusion. They're in a place of addiction. That's not God's place for them. They're in a shouldn't path instead of a should path. And so what they must do and I must do is we must submit to the messengers of God to get me back on the should path. Because I believe God dispatches the host of heaven to ordain and to create and to provide opportunity to get us on the path where we ought to be. You don't even have any idea. Angels are watching all over you tonight, do you? Hmm? Do you know that there are angels that are involved in your affairs? The angels of God are doing their very best to keep you off the shouldn't. Now, I've worked my angels over the years. Them guys are working hard, man. They're saying like, Kayton, get back on the should path. Oh, man, he's on the shouldn't again. Let's go. We just worked eight hours. Now we got to go back again. We got to get this boy out of trouble. My angels work hard, man. And your angels have worked hard. But we need to bid them to come. And we need to get a position that we have the place of advantage. And that God has a place where he wants us to go. And that if I'm not on that should path, then I need to submit myself to the spiritual forces of righteousness to bring me into the place that God has positioned. And the only way we can do that is to hear the command. Don't move till you hear the command. Have you ever seen those movies? Don't shoot till you see the whites in their eyes. You ever seen that? Put the clip on. Nobody moves until you hear the voice. The command was, I want you to take your battalion and position them on the left flank. I'm behind that wall and hold until I tell you to move. See, I've got to know where I'm positioned tonight. Have I heard the commandments of God? Oh, man, this is great. I'm telling you, I'm so excited. God said to love your wife as Christ loved the church. Am I in position? with my wife in regards to the word of the Lord. God said to give the Lord the first fruits of my increase. The tithe belongs to him. Am I in the right position with him? God said to forgive my brother. How many times? 70 times seven. Have I forgiven him? I'm in the right position now with my commander. I'm listening to the commands. I'm hearing them and I'm in the right position. Why is that important? Because when the voice says to move, 
I move from strategy that's from heaven and not in my own doing, trying to figure out how to make something happen. Ooh, body of Christ, I'm telling you tonight, if we get this thing together and just get in position, when the whistle blows, it'd be like, ah, we're so excited because we know we're on our way to a victory campaign. It's hard to have confidence when you're out of position. So tonight, let's take a look at that tonight again. Deuteronomy 28.1, the voice, the voice, the voice. Here's benefits of following God's leading. When you and I are on that should path, he will protect you. Purposed protection. Let's talk about that for a minute in Exodus 23. Look at verse 20 with me, please. Behold, I send an angel before you to keep you in the way. Everybody say, keep you in the way. One more time, say it. Keep you in the way. Now, what did Isaiah 48 says? He said, the Lord said there is a way that you should go. So God's dispatched an angel to keep you on that way. God is so purposed that he said, you know what? I know my people. They have a tendency to get off the way. So what I need to do is I need to send an angel ahead of them to do what? Keep them on the way. He said, behold, an angel before you keep you in the way and bring you into the place. Say that with me. Bring you into the place. In other words, God already has a predetermined place of victory. It's on the way. But we as a human, we as a fallen nature that we've been redeemed from has a tendency to get on the shouldn't path and to get off of the way of God's purpose, and, and we then aren't coming into the destiny of God. So what he has to do is he has to dispatch, to dispatch angels to bring us into the place that he's already prepared. So, so as we read this scripture, and we understand Isaiah 48 and 17, it is to keep me in the way and to bring me in the place. And how does he do this? You remember the Amy Grant tune? Angels watching over me. Angel action, baby. I'm telling you, we've got to begin to invite our angels to have free reign in our life and to dispatch them on our behalf with what purpose? To keep us in the way and to bring us into the place. So I get up in the morning and I say, thank you, Lord Jesus, that you have given me ministering spirits. You've given me angels, Lord. Even the time when I was just born, an angel was signed unto me to keep me in the way and to bring me into the place. So therefore, I command you angels to get in the wine with the will of God. Keep me in the way today and bring me into the place of God's choosing and his purpose and destiny for me. That for no weapon formed against me will prosper. There will be no mishaps, accidents, incidents, or any kind of deterrence toward my advance because God's already purposed it. So I release you angels to go to work on my behalf today and let's see what God will do on behalf of his people. What do you think, huh? Now that's a way to start your day. Not to get up and go, well, I hope God does something. Shoot, man, God has already done so much, you know, and he's positioned you unless you're out of position. Now, if you're out of position and the command goes, it's too late. I mean, you know that virgin thing, the foolish virgin thing, right? They're out of position. It was too late. You got to be in position. That's another sermon, so we won't go there tonight. But look at uh, Psalm 34 and verse 7. We're talking about angel action tonight. Let me just talk about that for a couple of minutes. The angel of the Lord encamps where? All around those who fear him and delivers them. And I thought, Lord, what do you deliver me from? Well, in keeping with Deuteronomy 28 and then Isaiah 48 and 17, he must deliver me from the shouldn't path. My tendency to do it my way. Because the Bible said there is a way that seems right, what, to a man, but the end is what? Destruction, it's death. So therefore, he must deliver me from the way of death and destruction. Because it is always man's fallen nature to think they could go with life without God. You could be your own God. That's what the devil did. He said, well, you know, I'm going to send to the, to the throne of God. I'm going to call the shots. I know which way to go. You don't know which way to go. You're a lost puppy. 
So we have to be delivered from that. We do delivered from that. So the angel of the Lord encamps around us. It's sort of like pin the tail on the donkey. Have you ever played that game? They put a blindfold on you, and then they spin you, and then people stand around you, and they kind of push you towards the board, and they tell you, hot, hot, cold, cold, way cold, freezing cold, North Pole, you know. They guide you. It's sort of like the angels are all encamped around you. We see this in 2 Kings. Remember Elisha? And they, they, were, they were surrounded by an enemy. And in 2 Kings 6 and verse 17, Elisha prayed. He said, Lord, I pray that you open the, his eyes that he may see. And the Lord opened the eyes of the young man and he saw. And behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. Elisha was saying, you know what? There's more of them. There's more of us rather than there is of them. And this little boy said, you know, you're crazy. There's only two of us. And there are a whole lot of the enemy. He said, no, you don't understand. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him. So we have to recognize that when you go into that business deal, when you go into that uh, venture, when you, when, you, when you go into that ministry for the very first time, you're not going in that thing alone. That, there are angels encamped. If it's in the pathway of the should, the, the angels of the Lord are encamped around you to keep you in the way and to deliver you from getting off of it. See, this is an exciting thing. You, when you begin to operate in your benefits package, you don't have to begin looking for God's plan. God's plan looks for you. Suddenly you wake up and there it is in the mail. You meet somebody. You hear about something. God's plan is being revealed on a consistent basis to you. It blows your mind. So we see in, in, in uh, 2 Kings 6 and 17, our eyes need to be open. And then sometimes we get detoured like Peter in Acts chapter 12. Look at verse 7 to 10. There Peter was arrested. Now, it wasn't God's plan that he be in jail. But it said an angel of the Lord stood by him. And a light shone in the prison, and he struck Peter on the side and raised him up. He said, Arise quickly. And when he rose, his chains fell off. Now look at the succession of this. Then the angel said to himself, Get dressed, put your shoes on. Peter didn't even have enough sense to put his clothes on. He, he, didn't, he didn't even have enough concept of what was happening to get his shoes tied. The angel had to say, Okay, get the boy dressed, man. Come on, get it. You know, sometimes you feel so inept. You feel like you just can't do what you're about to do. God's given you such a big assignment. You're like, whoa, God, there is no way I could do that. He said, let me help you. Give me your shoes. Do you ever have a little kid come up to you, one of your, one of your children, your grandchildren? Mommy, I can't, I can't do it. I can't put my shoes on. They throw the shoes down. They say, well, Mommy, help you, baby. Come here. That's what the angel had to do. You talk about elementary things. This is the apostle Peter. This is the man who shadow healed. This is a powerful man of God who was crucified upside down and he can't even get the faith to put his shoes on. <laughs> Hallelujah. I'm glad he's in the Bible. <laughs> because he was on the shouldn't path. The devil tried to detour him. It wasn't, it wasn't Peter's doing. Peter was doing everything he was supposed to do. And some of us have gotten detoured, not because of what you've done, not because of what you haven't done, but because there's a devil that's trying to kill, kill, and destroy because he wants to bring you into destruction. But the God that we love is dispatching angels and says, okay, 911 again for Caiton. And sometimes I have to admit to you, I'm just saying, like, you know what, God, I can't do this. I, I can't do this. He said, well, okay, where's his Bible? Go get his Bible. Get his car keys. All right, get the car warmed up for him. Put him in the car. <laughs> Back his car up and point to the east. Now go. All right. Do you ever feel that way? That you just can't even seem to get the basics down because there's been such oppression. There's been such a battle that it just to tie your shoes and just put your robe on and get yourself dressed and presentable was almost too much for the day. Maybe I'm not preaching to anybody but me, but I'm telling you today, the apostle Peter had to have help to get his shoes on. Then he said he went out and followed him. And he did not know what it was done by the angel was real. He thought he was seeing a vision. 
And they were past the first and second guard posts. They came to the iron gate that leads to the city, which opened to them of its own accord. And they went out and went down one street. Everybody say one street. And immediately the angel departed from him. Why? Because he was back on the should path. Okay, my job's done. Got him back on the one street. Got him back on the one path. How do we know that? Deuteronomy 28, 1. How do we know that? Isaiah 48 and 17. How do I know that? Psalm 37 and 5. The angels encamping. And, 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 and how do I know that? Because Psalm 92 says, even though you dash your foot against the stone, he will raise you up. His hands will lift you up. Even when you can't put your shoes on. God said, all right, get him dressed. Put him in the right direction. I'm telling you tonight, you cannot lose. You cannot be defeated. You cannot be overcome and overwhelmed. Listen, you may be feeling like you're in a prison and you've been forsaken and you don't know which way is north, south, east, or west, but hold on because God, by his spirit, will bring you back to one street and get you moving right where you need to go again. Somebody say praise him. Come on. Say hallelujah in this room. Come on. Woo. <laughs> Hallelujah. So the Bible says that, you know, in, in Psalm 91, 11, and 12, that, 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 that he'll hold you up. He'll hold you up and keep you in all your ways. Keep you in your ways. He'll keep me in that way. And, and sometimes, you know, you got you got the, day, the angels of the Lord have to stir things up. It was in John chapter 5, the man at the pool of Bethesda. Remember that story? Every year, the angel of the Lord would descend. And what would he do? He would stir up the water. Yeah, trouble it. He would stir it up. And when the angels stirred it up, whoever got in it was healed. Let me tell you something. Your angels will sometimes just stir things up around you. Because until it's stirred, you can't get your breakthrough. We don't like stirring. We want everything at peace. But there ain't no healing sometime in the still water. No, no, no. There's healing in the troubled water. There's deliverance in the troubled water. And sometimes angelic beings will stir things up and cause what we think in the natural is a troubling time. But in reality, what it is, is a healing time. Somebody ought to clap your hands right there and thank God. I'm serious, man. I am serious. This is a healing time. <laughs> Woo. God help me. I'm going to start preaching here in a minute. Think about Daniel. You know, the Bible says that the, 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 the devil is like a roaring lion, roaring about seeking whom he may what? Devour. And what about in Daniel chapter 6? Oh, Daniel, art, art thou okay in that lion's pit? He said, don't worry about it, king. He said, the God that I serve, shut the mouth of the lion. <laughs> the angel of the Lord showed up and shut the mouth of the lion. See, I don't know how many times the enemy, Satan, like a mighty roaring lion, has come to devour me. I mean, he's come close. I could feel his hot breath. But just when he was about to chomp, the angel of the Lord shows up and said, You don't know how many times you should have already been overdosed and died. You you should have been in jail. You you should have already been sick and in a hospital and a saint asylum and never got out. But the angel of the Lord intervened and shut the mouth of the lion. Why? Because he has a way for you that you and I are going to walk on that path. That's why I can't be defeated and I can't quit because there's no quit in me. Even if I tried to quit. God would get me up, wash my face, put my shoes on, put my clothes on, get my car keys, get my Bible, and kick me out the door and say, go preach. <laughs> Hallelujah. Look at this statement here. The assignment of the angel is to keep you in the way and to bring you in your destiny. It's too late now. You're not getting out of this. Whether you want to or not, we're going we're gonna to bring you over the finish line. I don't care if you're kicking, dragging, spitting, cursing. I don't care, but you're going over to the finish line, Bubba. You're coming with us. That's what God said. I bought you. I paid the price for you. You're not, I'm not leaving you behind. I'm bringing you over to the victory. Some of our angels have had to work real hard dragging us kicking and screaming but yet he brought us through thank you Lord Jesus look at the rest of that verse in Exodus 23 
22, and he said, but if you indeed obey his voice. In other words, when that whistle blows, when that command to take the hill is given, when it says charge, when you move at that moment, then I will be an enemy to your enemies. Listen, that's a dangerous person. Let me just tell you something. It is a dangerous person to mess with who's in position and hears the voice of God. You don't want to be their enemy. See, you can mess with any old preacher if you want to who's out of position and doesn't obey the voice, but you don't want to mess with a Christian who's in position and, and, and hears the voice, even if it looks like they're in prison. You do not want to shackle Peter. Because God said, when that person's in that position, I will become the enemy to your enemy. Now, I don't wish that on anybody. I don't want anybody who's treating me poorly, badly, falsely accusing me, despitefully using me. However, in any fashion, I do not want them to be the enemy of God. No, 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 no. I don't wish anybody to hell. I don't want anybody in that mess. No. That's why Jesus said, pray for them who despitefully use you. Because the consequences are grave, man. God is your defender. He said, I'm going to become their enemy and an adversary to your adversaries. No, 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 no. You don't want to try to take over my business. You don't want to come in here and try to steal people from this church so you could build yourself a church. Now, you better go down the road because I'm in position. And I hear the voice of God. Let me tell you, you become my adversary. Oh, God, I got to pray for you. Because now, (laughs) God said, I'll become their adversary. You're not going to fight with me. I don't have anything to fight over. Do you understand what I'm talking about? That's why you can have peace in the midst of the storm. You can have confidence that if God be for you, who? Come on, preach to me. Now, if God, come on, say it. If God can be for you, who? Who can be against you? Nobody. Because I'm in position. I hear the voice. And God's got my back. I got angel action all around me. It's sort of like that little Charlie Brown thing, you know. What's that one, pig pen? Is that pig pen? He walks in, he's got a cloud of dust all over him. It's like when I walk around, I got a cloud of angels all around me. It's like, God, this isn't fair. Devil's like always upset. That isn't fair. You got all his angels around, all his angels around him. And, and, and the whole battle over Job was to try to get him off the way, get him out of position so he wouldn't hear the voice, so the devil could consume him. Because as long as he stayed in position and heard the voice of God, the devil couldn't touch him. That's the whole trial was all about, was trying to get him on the shouldn't. It almost worked. But the angel delivered him, and he got back on the should. And what happened? He got double. Everybody say double. Your double's coming. The devil can't steal from you. The devil can't take from you. The devil can't cause you to lose. He can't, he can't win over you. Come on. This, this thing is already signed, sealed, and delivered. Don't be intimidated by what you see and what other people are saying. So let me finish reading this scripture. I'm trying to read it. It's hard to read it. Verse 23. For my angel will go before you and bring you into the Amorites, Hittites, Perizzites, the Canaanites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. And I will cut them off. Now the angel's going to bring you into face-to-face combat with these six powerful nations. But I'm going to cut them off. But you're going to have to face them. Say, God, why don't you just go face them, (laughs) cut them off, and let me know about it? How many think that's a better plan? I don't want to face them. These people were wicked. They were ruthless. They weren't God-fearing. But God said, you know what? They're in your promise. And you got to go face them. When you face them, I'll cut them off. So I did a little research on these. And over the years, I've preached on these six nations many times. 
But once again, fresh and new, the Holy Spirit showed me a characteristic out of each one of these nations. I don't have time to give you all the background, but I'll just give it to you quickly. The Amorites. The Amorites stand for the flesh that stands before your increase. He said, I've got to bring you before your flesh, and you need to face it. One of the greatest victories in the body of Christ is when we can overcome our own carnality. When we can confront our selfishness, God says, when you do that, I'll cut it off. But until you confront it, it's not moving. And my angel will go before you. I believe in the body of Christ tonight, we're having to deal with some carnality. We're having to deal with some fleshly stuff. And I know you can find a church that'll pat a cake you right into heaven. I know that. You can find, you know, we're okay, you're okay, we all okay. Everything's fine. You know, we're just human. I know that. But God's word said, I want you to find your Amorite, and I want you to face it. Number two, the Hittite. The Hittite were the most immoral of all of these six nations. And God's saying, here's what I'd like for you to do. I want you to stand and look at your immorality. Where you've compromised. Where you've crossed the line. I want you to face it. And when you face it, I'll cut it off. It'll never be a problem to you again. Whew. God. Do you really think in the body of Christ, God can reduce the percentages of sexual abuse? incest, adultery. In the church, it's about the same as out of the church. You think God can really do that? Sure he can do that. And he does that when we face it. And then God said, I'll cut it off. The parasite. Carnal Christianity. What it basically is with the parasites is they were a mixture of a nation. They were a mixture of races. And what that's speaking about is what we've been preaching on with favor. You have to have an un alloyed walk with God you got to face the fact that if there's mixture in your heart in other words if you have love for God and hate for a brother that means the parasite is ruling in your promise and you can't possess it I've got to get the mixture out if I've got unforgiveness over my family, my father, my sister, whomever. And I start telling you the story. Maybe I told you again, and sometimes I forget what I've told you, but that whole thing with rejection with me as a child and how the family turned her back and didn't like me and all those kind of things and wished me to hell and all those. There was times when I had dreams where I was on my knees walking down the street begging for them to receive me as their brother. In my dreams. It was tormenting. And that unforgiveness why don't you forgive me? Why can't I forgive you? And it, it was a mixture. I loved God with all my heart. I, I served him. I was pastor. I was preaching. But there was this thing in me. Possessing my possession. Do you get what I'm saying? It's got to be conquered. You have to face it. And then God said, I will cut it off. And when you're free from it, you're free. Because when Malchus got his ear cut off, and Jesus said, put away your sword, Peter. You remember that when they went to arrest him? Jesus picked the ear up. But you see, Malchus could have picked that ear up like a lot of church folk do. Put it in their pocket and went to the next church. So I just want to show you what they did over there. They cut my ear off over there, man. They're like ugly people over there at that first church, man. Look at this. Look what they did to me. That's all we want to do is show people our scars of the other church. Well, let me tell you what the problem is that. With, well, after a while, that flesh starts to stink. And the one that hurts you is not the one that can heal you. And I had to learn that the hard way. And Jesus picked up the ear. Jesus touched him on the side. And he became whole. Can you imagine going home that day after work? He worked a 311 shift that day, you know. Put his lunchbox back up there, matted with blood on the side of his head. 
gown is all covered, but everything was fine. Honey, what's wrong? What's wrong? His wife going crazy. Sweetheart, you'll never believe what kind of night I had tonight. The high priest took us out. We arrested some man called Jesus. I don't know who he was. Some maniac cut off my ear. And then look, it's healed. It's everything's fine. I mean, he had to be like nutso by then. But Peter couldn't heal him. And when I got that revelation that the one who rejected me couldn't heal me, only Jesus could, I was healed. You got to face your parasite. And what about the Canaanite? The Canaanite represented that warring entity that just seemed to never go away. How them them Canaanites again? The warring entity, that, that thing that seems to be creeping back up in your life that you think you got conquered and then two months later, bam, it's back again. Then you conquer it for a little bit and then bam, it's back again. And we go through this cycle. We go through this cycle. We go through this cycle. You know, whether it's addictions, alcohol, or whether it's pornography or whatever, what, anger, or whatever it is, it just kind of comes up. We get, we get real religious and we think we got it and then bam, it hits us again. It's a Canaanite spirit. And God said, you got to face it. And when you face it, I will cut it off. It's all the ministering angels. That's what God gave us angels to get this stuff done. Let me go to the next one, the Hivite. The Hivite was unsettled places. They were nomads. They never got settled. There are people in the body of Christ that just aren't settled. They're not at peace. They, they're always striving for something. What if I get this position, maybe I'll feel better. They get that position, that's not it. Okay, now I want to do this in the church. And they get to do that, and that's not it either. Now they want to be this. They want to be that. They want this title, and they want that title. They want recognition, and they just can't seem to be settled. You've got to face that, that my worth is not in who I am or what I do. It is in Christ alone. You've got to face that. And when we face that, God said, I will cut it off. And then last, the Jebusite. These Jebusites, they were pretty powerful. And I'll talk to you a little bit more about that in a minute. But this Jebusite is that opposing strategies that try to keep us contained and limited in life. Whether it's the attitudes of parents that told you you'll never amount to anything, I wish you were never born. Whatever it is, abuse, neglect in Lorraine through a family that used to attend our church, his sister, grandson, you might have heard it on the news, 16-year-old stabbed the grandmother because he wouldn't, she wouldn't let him go see his great-grandmother, try to kill him. In the police car, two policemen, handcuffed, 16 years old, screaming at the police. If I didn't have these handcuffs on, I'd kill you both. How can a 16-year-old speak with such hate? Well, let me tell you a little bit about his history. From the time he was born, he was rejected by his father, and his mother didn't want him and threw him out and gave him to the grandmother, and the grandmother didn't want him, and the great-grandmother took him, and then the grandmother took him, and he bounced from one place to the next, and nobody ever loved him. And he's angry. That's a strategy. That's a strategy to control. That's a strategy to contain. That's a strategy to defeat. It's a Jebusite spirit. And God said, if you'll face it, I'll cut it off. We're talking about major deliverance in the body of Christ. And it's angel action. It's power from God to keep us in the way. These are all the strategies of hell to get us off the shouldn't, the should path into the shouldn't path. It's taken me a lifetime to learn this. I wish somebody had taught me this 35 years ago when I started preaching. When I got saved when I was 23 years of age, many years ago, I wish somebody had sat me down and said, let me tell you about the six nations that are going to oppose you because you need to overcome and the angels of God are there to help you and you can be on the path where you should go, but the enemy is going to try to put you on a shouldn't path. And when you go there, you're going to be destroyed, but the angels of God are there to deliver you, boy. You need to call upon them because you have a covenant. I wish somebody had told me that. Because I've been maligned and I've been abused and I've been, I've been played with like a mouse with a cat just to have entertainment by the devil for many years in my life. And so have you because we didn't know our covenant. We didn't know the benefits package. But I'm too wise now, see. I've learned something the hard way. And some of us have had to learn the hard way. 
That's why today we've got to speak this word. We've got to declare it. And we need to begin to preach it. And we need to begin to forecast it throughout this generation. Now I'm going to close with this in Genesis, in Joshua chapter 3. Whew, help me, Jesus, finish this up. Joshua chapter 3 and verse 10 to 17. I believe this is crossover time for people in this room. It's a crossover time. You're not, you're, you're not here by mistake. This is a crossover time. Listen to what Joshua said. He said, by this you shall know that the living God is among you, that he will without fail drive out from, from before you. He will drive out without fail before you the Canaanite, the Hittite, the Hivite, the Perizzite, the Girgashite, the Amorite, the Jebusite. In other words, he said, everything that's fleshly, anything that's immoral, anything that's carnal, anything that's mixed, anything that's warring, anything that's been unsettled, anything that's been opposing you in stratagem, I will drive out. Behold, the ark of the covenant of the Lord of all the earth is crossing over before you into the Jordan. Now therefore take for yourselves twelve men of the tribes of Israel, one from every tribe. And it shall come to pass as soon as the soles of the feet of the priest to bear the ark of the Lord. The Lord of the earth shall rest in the waters of the Jordan, that the waters of the Jordan shall be cut off. The waters that come down from upstream, they shall stand as a heap. The significance of that in the King James, the waters that originate from Adam... It was a city. And it speaks to us of every carnal stronghold in the fallen nature all the way back to Adam. God said, I'm going to make it stand up like a heap. And you're going to walk right through it. Every generational curse. My parents were controlled by curses. They were gypsies, levitate tables. They were filled with superstition, burying umbilical cords in an apple cut in half in the backyard. Don't look in the baby's eyes and see a reflection. You bring a curse. I mean, you name it. That, it sounds crazy, but that's how they were birthed. That was a generational curse that tried to get on me. My dad was a womanizer. I was birthed out of an affair. It's a curse. It had a right to me because I was part of Adam. When I got born again with the second Adam. Come on, church. Something supernatural happened in my life. And he said, I'm going to make the water stand up like a heap all the way back to Adam. <laughs> Whoo, angels watching over me, man. I'm free, hallelujah. Married still to the same woman after 38 years, in love. Never had an affair, glory to God. I don't curse, I don't have superstitions. I'm not on drugs. I don't drink. That's a novelty today in the church, isn't it? <laughs> it's really old-fashioned. But that got heaped up in the Jordan. When I died to self, Jordan, speaking of death, crossing over, I've crossed over, I've had to face it. And when I faced it, God cut it off. So it was when the people set up on their camp to cross over the Jordan, the priest bearing the ark of the covenant before the, before the people. Verse 15, and as those who bore the ark came to the Jordan, the feet of the priest who bore the ark dipped in the edge of the water, for the Jordan overflows all its banks during the whole time of harvest. That the waters which came down from upstream stood still and rose in a heap very far away at Adam. There it is, the city that is beside Zeraton. The waters that went down from the Sea of Arabah, the salt sea, failed and were cut off, and the people crossed over opposite Jericho. Gosh, there's so much power in that scripture. And the priest who bore the ark of the covenant of the Lord stood firm on dry ground in the midst of the Jordan. Dry ground in the midst of the Jordan. Dry ground. All my, all my enemies heaped up by the power of God standing there watching me walk through on dry ground and can't touch me. Think about it. Every one of them, they're all there like... And God said, get back, get back, get back. The boy's crossing through. 
That was a glorious day, man. I walked that aisle. You don't know what you do. When people walk the aisle to come to the altar, they don't know. They're walking through the death. Walking through death. Death couldn't hold me. Do you hear what I'm saying? (laughs) I'm going to preach myself happy here in a minute. I'm serious. I'm like, I'm saved, man. Wow, I am really saved. (laughs) Oh, God. You are just too good. Wow. And it came to pass in Joshua chapter 10 and verse 1. When Adonai, Zedek, king of Jerusalem, heard how Joshua taken Ai and had utterly destroyed it. And had he done to Jericho and its king. So he done to Ai and its king. And now the inhabitants of Gibeon had made peace with Israel and were among them. This guy was shrewd. He said, oh, that Canton's getting some victory in his life. I need to. I need to calculate how I can bring him down. He couldn't do it himself, so he had to go get four other kings. Five of them gathered together, and they formed a coalition because they knew I was too bad for one of them. And same with you. You're just too much for just one or two. One or two devils can't bring you. Before, one or two devils would kill you, but now one or two devils, man, they need five devils. And they came against Gibeon. They came against the thing that has come to peace in your life. Now know this, at some juncture, the thing that you have conquered and have gotten over, there's going to be another battle over it. Don't get too, don't get too comfortable. That's why some people, you know, they, they're saved a while and they're like, well, whatever. No, 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 no. You have, to, you have to command angels every day. You need to understand your benefits package. This is an engagement every moment of every day. We can't afford to be slack. There's too much at stake. And if it's not for you, it's for your wife. If it's not for your wife, it's your children. If it's not your children, it's for those that you're connected to. I know how the devil operates. The devil, he didn't get us. He tried to get my children. One of these days, I'm going to give you testimony. My kids testify. They went through literal hell. And back. And back is important. Couldn't get them. But I know what they're up against. They want my grandbabies. And this old bird ain't going to take vacation. No, no, no. I'm commanding over my grandchildren. I'm going to command that they stand up in a heap and they walk through on dry ground just like my children did, just like I did, and just like they will. Because I'm an old warrior and I won't quit until I get to heaven. You can't sit back and wait for the glory call and do nothing. But these five kings had fled and hidden themselves in a cave at Makeda. In other words, Joshua whooped them. And they went into a cave. And sometimes you have peace for a minute. Sometimes those stratagems, they'll, they'll go behind the closed door. They'll hide themselves. But Joshua was too smart for them. He said, he said, I heard they're at Maqueda. Open up the cave. Open up. Put a, put a stone up there. I'll be back. Make sure they don't move. And then he said, okay, open up the mouth of the cave. Bring those five kings to me. And so it was when they brought out those kings to Joshua, Joshua called for all the men of Israel and said to the captains of the men of war who went with him, come near, put your feet on the necks of these kings. He was teaching the next generation how to put things under your feet. <laughs> now, we, we, we don't have time for Sunday school, Pastor. You see, we're really busy. I mean, Wednesday night, you know, I mean, I got lots going on. You better learn how to put something under your feet and then teach your children how to put their foot on the neck of the strategy that's trying to destroy. My wife and I were talking last night for about, you know, one of them husband-wife talks for three hours. We were talking about our granddaughters, and we said, we defy any lesbian spirit to try to seduce those babies. He said, well, that's crazy. Why are you even talking about that? No, 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 no. Listen, I've been to battle. I've been to war. I got my foot on some neck. And sometimes we have to remind our own children 
My wife had to take my son here not long ago and said, listen, listen. Do you want this for your children? In other words, get over here. Put your foot down on this thing. (laughs) And then Joshua took the sword. I know this is gross, but he struck them and he killed them. And he hung them on the trees. He said, there they are. Defeated. That's your benefit as a covenant partner with God. And I just believe tonight that we're going to see these six characteristics destroyed in your life, my life. Don't ever think that the battle is over just because you've got a season of victory. See, I've got to remain hungry for God because it's like a prize fighter. At any moment, I could get a call for an opportunity. They could call me and they could say, hey, Kayton, do you want the fight? It's in two weeks. And I could say, man, I'm not ready. I'm not in training. I haven't been training. I've been eating cream puffs. I don't think I better do it. Or I could every day train as if I'm in the fight for the championship of the world. And when I get the call, I said, let's get it on tomorrow. (laughs) I don't know what's in the 6th of August, but I know this. What's in me is big enough to face what's ever in the 6th. Amen. So, Father, tonight we just pray for every person in this room complete and total victory in their life. Father, I speak against these spirits of carnality and mixture, stratagems, warring spirits, unsettled things. I just come against it, Father. Because you have defeated them. And Father, we're going to face them tonight. We're facing them. We're saying no more. Devil, that's enough. Enough is enough. And we're crossing over. We're crossing over into the promised land. And Father, I pray for our church tonight, God, that we would cross over into the promised land. We would cross over, God, every one of us. Not one of us would be left on the other side. Every one of us, God. Cross over, God. Thank you for our children in these rooms tonight. Thank you for them, Lord. Thank you for the youth. Thank you for the studio. Thank you for leaders. Thank you for men of God that love children. Thank you for the women of God that love children, Father. Thank you for the worship team. Thank you for the ushers. Thank you for the people here tonight, God. Thank you for leaders, Lord Jesus. Thank you for hungry hearts, God. Thank you for people that yearn. Yearn! Yearn for you. God, I want to yearn. I want to yearn and I want to burn for you, God. That's what we want tonight, Jesus. Made a most unusual thing happen not long ago. I'm just going to tell you quickly because I think the Holy Spirit told me to tell you. And you can keep playing. <sighs> Tina got this scripture about a fly in the ointment spoils the whole perfume. She said, I don't know why I keep getting the scripture. Scripture keeps coming back. I said, I don't know. We better just kind of do some inspection in our life. Maybe there's something in our lives we're not doing that we need to be doing and something we've let in. And, you know, you know how you do it. You just kind of pray and you look and you look. Then we had the most unusual thing that ever happened in our life. In my office. I'm not kidding you. In one day, I killed over 40 flies. I said, Tina, this is most unusual. I don't know, maybe it's because we live by the lake. What, what's, this is weird. She tells me the scripture again. Next day, 40 more. Or, but they're about. And it went on like that for almost a week. And then a few days ago, the Lord was showing us some things in the ministry. About us personally and about the ministry. And it was the encroachment of these nations and he said you can't mix those in the kingdom and it's trying to mix it in with the word you see the concentration of flies was in where I study the word 
That was, the, that, was the, that was the most odd thing. Not the rest of the house. Just in my office where I spent, yesterday I spent eight hours studying and researching. And that was the concentration. And the Holy Spirit began to speak. And he said, this is the encroachment in this generation is to putrefy the preaching of the word of God and adulterate the word of God. One fly. One nation. One compromise. And it spoils the entire ointment. And then the Lord gave me this message. And I said, God, this all came together. This is like really a strong word for us as a church. And so I just want to encourage you tonight. Whatever that might be, may not be nothing at all. But if it is, don't ignore the word of the Lord tonight. Let's take it before Jesus. Amen. Amen. That's right. That's where we're going. We're going before Jesus tonight. So let's all stand up. Hallelujah. Holly, are you still here? Come on, sing that I want to burn for you song. That's an awesome song. You don't mind if I'll sit for a second here, do you? Hallelujah. Come on, church. Love on Jesus for just a minute. We love on you, Lord Jesus. I want to yearn for you, Jesus. if you need prayer maybe for a family member maybe for somebody that you know that's facing a battle in their life you know what this is the night to do it let's just let's just come in agreement right now so as Holly sings that you may want to come for yourself for somebody else for your children let's just come in agreement two or three agree touching anything we know it shall be done so go ahead sing that song come on I invite you to come come on Come on, 
it's crossover time. Come on, just speak crossover. Yes, Lord, it's crossover. I want to burn with passion. God, there's freedom in Jesus' name. Freedom in Jesus' name. Loose. Loose. Thank you, Lord. Freedom. Hallelujah. That we're crossing over free. We're crossing over new people. We're crossing over on dry ground. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Lord, I love to bless you. Come on, just reach a hand out to those in the front here. Begin to speak over them. Liberties, freedom. Amen. Breakthroughs is success. Thank you, Lord. Yes. Yes, Lord. Yes. Yes. Come on. We're commanding. We're commanding. We're commanding. We're commanding. This is a liberty time. We're commanding freedom in Jesus' name. Yes, Lord. Hallelujah. Oh, over you. Come on. Lift your voice. Lord, I want to hear. Uh, let them pray and wait on the Holy Spirit for a minute and I just sense that maybe there might be a prophetic word here tonight and if there is I want to release that in you and uh, so just wait on the Lord and the Holy Spirit is speaking in your heart we'll just release that to the body tonight and come up and get the microphone but I just feel the power of God in this room thank you Lord Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. You have a word? that the one that hurt me couldn't heal me it changed my life I'm telling you it changed my life and so people are getting revelation of things like that tonight and it's just going to alter the course of their direction I mean it's just free it's a new life in Christ that's what we mean about being saved redeemed bought back from those things hallelujah thank you Lord thank you Jesus thank you Jesus So we thank you, Lord, this evening for all that you've done for us. And we press on as a church, Lord. We press on. We thank you, Lord, that as a people that have been gathered together around your name, that we are on divine assignment and we're on the way we should go. And, Father, we thank you that the angels of the Lord will keep us off the shouldn't and keep us on the should. We pray tonight, God, that we would be positioned by being obedient to your commandments so when the voice is spoken we can move forward we don't want to be out of position as a people 
So help us tonight, God, to repent where we're out of position, where we know your word has told us and we've still rebelled against it. I pray for repentance for that tonight, alignment for that tonight, and God, that we would not allow one fly in the ointment. But you're speaking tonight to our church. You're speaking to our church. And Lord God, we want to be a pure people. We want to be a holy people. We want to be a people that burn with passion. We're the redeemed of the Lord, and we lift our voice and declare it to be so. So Father, we pray for this region right now. We declare over Northeastern Ohio and Cleveland that there will be a mighty revival. This will be an epicenter, oh God, of a revival that will spread across the world and the nations of the earth will know that this is the place that the revival began. And God, there will be a revival of righteousness and holiness. And there will be a hunger and a thirsting, Lord, that will spread like a wildfire throughout this region, oh God. And from this place, Lord, and other places like it, they will come together and we will burn. And Father, we will burn together in one big flaming torch. And it will be a sign and it will be a wonder, oh God, to this entire network that Jesus Christ has once again visited his people. So Lord, have your way. Do, oh God, what only you can do tonight through our lives. We submit ourselves to you and we, we agree, oh God, to go when you say go. In Jesus' name we ask. Amen and amen. Well, live right. Love everybody. Pray hard. Continue to pray if you're up here. We release you tonight. We love you in the Lord. And we'll see you on Sunday morning.